Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 8, Episode 49. This is Writing Excuses, hard social science fiction with Joel Shepard. Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And we are excited to welcome Joel Shepard onto the podcast. Thank you very much for having me on. Joel, tell us a little bit briefly about your books. Well, it depends which one you want to know about. Well, what, what about your writing? What, what, what sort of style of writing do you do? You're published by Pyre, I believe? Yeah, all seven of my books are published by Pyre in the United States. I've done three science fiction books. That's the Cassandra Kresnov series. And I've done a fantasy series as well, The Trial of Blood and Steel, which is a four-book series. Excellent. Now, Howard pitched at me this idea, and at you, the idea of doing a podcast on hard social science fiction. And what I want to define this for our listeners, because when we talk about hard science fiction, usually that means science fiction in which the physics and the math yep. and the chemistry yep. and the astrophysics are a very big part of the plot. But we don't talk as much about this idea of the social sciences in science fiction. Um, and you use the social sciences. You, what, you have a background in social science? Yeah, I'm currently doing a PhD in international relations. Um, it's specifically on Indian foreign policy, if anyone's interested. I just got back from a year of living in Delhi, which was a very interesting experience. So these are the kinds of things that I like to draw upon, uh, right. because the social sciences involve people rather than physics and maths, and that's right. really what gets me going. So how do you spark that into a story? You're, you're reading some interesting sociology paper or whatnot. Where, where do you go from that? Well, it's the implications of it. I mean, Cassandra Kresnov, my main character in that series, is an artificial person. Mm -hmm. um, and as for, this is the great thing about science fiction, no one actually knows how an artificial right. person works. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that old line about, you know, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Right. So it would be pointless for me to sit here and to try and explain how that technology works, just like it would be pointless yeah. for someone from right. 500 years ago to try and, to try and explain right. to them how a jumbo 747 works. Right, right. So I'm interested in the sociological and human implications of mm -hmm. the technology, rather than trying to explain actually how it works. And you find stories and conflict just in these sorts of things? Well, yeah, because in that series, um, the entire conflict between the two sides, the mm -hmm. war that she was created to fight, is about artificial humanity. You've got the one side who believe that all progress is good and that artificial humanity is going to lead human, uh, human race in a good direction, and you've got the other side who think we're just one step away from advancing the human race into extinction. Mm -hmm. So this is what the war is essentially about, and so this places my character directly in the center of that war. Awesome. When we, when we talked at dinner the other night, one of the things that you, uh, you pointed out is that so many, uh, so many conflicts in books uh, uh, seem to just come down to the author thinking about side A and side B, yeah. and that when you're really looking at the political science aspect, when you're really looking at the motivations, um, it's far more complicated than that. Mm. How does that inform 
what you just described. Well, it completely changes the, the plot structure in terms of the, the motivation for the character. I think traditionally, and if you're looking at, you know, I mean, superhero type stuff for a start, you look at the motivations that, for example, Batman has. I mean, yeah. uh, his, his father died. And this is a very personal motivation. This is something that happened to him. And they're always trying to find a conflict between the hero and the villain that is personal, uh, a, a revenge story, because people feel they can connect with the revenge story. But I really like the, the motivations where the motivation is external mm. because the external motivation means that people are often motivated by something other than just themselves. And this means that sometimes you can have not just good people and bad people fighting each other, that's not the source of the conflict, you can have good people and good people fighting each other. I mean, I find nothing more compelling than some of the stories in, say, the, the, uh, the War of the Roses mm -hmm. or the Civil War, where you find two brothers on opposite right. sides of the fight. They're both very good people. They just happen to believe in very different things. Right. So when people are motivated by a belief, something abstract, something outside of themselves, this can create all kinds of tension. And I find it far more powerful and dramatic than just the usual person, oh, you kick my dog, I'm going to get you kind of thing. Uh -huh. So do you, when, you're, when you're looking at things like this, do you model it on something real from the real world? For instance, um, in, I, I have a, a book that, that's got the Luddite Rebellion in it. Okay. Um, and, and so I have... I looked at the Luddite Rebellion, but I, I then used it to model how, how that went down in, in British history. I went... I use that to model how a magical rebellion would go down. Okay. Do you do a similar thing, or do you are there general principles of the social sciences that you use that uh, that can predict how how humans right. will react to certain so, situations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, where's what's the science? <laughs> well, yeah, the, the the science in this kind of thing in fiction, it's really wherever you want it to be, wherever mm -hmm. you find that it will be most dramatic. I mean, I I use a lot of I use some theoretical stuff in the background, but it's it, it's it's pretty hard to translate that into an actual plot. Mostly, what I'm looking for is situations where people can have motivations that mm -hmm. will be set at each other's throats, because you're looking for drama. Ultimately, right. that's that's where the whole thing is. So. Um, where is where is the science? I guess it, I guess it's wherever you want it to be. I mean, it's this. I, I think I, I, I let me rephrase that question. Okay. Um, what I'm looking for is if we're if we're wanting our listeners to be able to write something that is exploring the social sciences, mm. how can that be a uh, something that they can do? What are what are the techniques that you use to create that? rather than um, just, well, you, you, you look at where the drama is. Can you get more specific about how that is done? I'm not sure that I can. I think you either see the dramatic potential in it or you don't. Um, I see these kinds of conflicts just when I open a newspaper mm. every day. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have family members who believe things that are different mm -hmm. to what they believe. Um, so, so this is, you know, the, those kinds of things are, are, are as important to me as, as, as the actual science, I think. Okay. Um, now, this may be another, well, there's not really a good answer to this question, but a lot of people who do hard science fiction um, in the physics and whatnot, when they read a book that, ha that does it poorly, they get really angry. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed the same thing from um, economists. They read fantasy books and they're like, the economy in these books. Thing. Do you see writers approaching social topics and social science topics poorly? Um, are there 
thing, pitfalls, that a lot of writers fall into that you can make us aware of? Um, well, the logical one is writing about politics. Okay. Um, there's, there's, there is a tendency to be didactic, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, I have particular political beliefs. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very pleased that most of my readers on either side of the political spectrum usually don't know what they are. Okay. That's, um, that's very good. That's, that is means I, you're... Nothing, yeah. I, I'm not going to tell you what my political mm -hmm. beliefs are. My friends know what they are. But if, if, if people from the opposite side of the spectrum, and sometimes people who are so far off the scale, mm -hmm. like so far away, come up to me and assume that I'm one of them, I, I take that as, as one of the greatest compliments. And this is one of the most common mistakes, I think, mm -hmm. for people who want to write about this. Right? They say, I have, I have a point that mm -hmm. I want to make. I have an opinion I want to get across. I want to convince you of my opinion that my political belief is right. Don't do it. Okay. Just, just, just don't. I'm interested, I'm more interested in the process of belief mm -hmm. than I am about the, your actual conclusions. Your conclusions are entirely up to you. Doesn't, doesn't interest me. It's not dramatic for other people to read about because you're either preaching to the choir, in which case you're, you're not, you know, in which case that's a very limited audience in the uh -huh. first place, or you're alienating a vast swathe yeah. of people who are different from you in one way or another. The process of why people believe in things in the way that they do is the, the, the thing that I find really intriguing with, with politics in particular. Hey writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Let's do our book of the week. And not surprisingly, we're going to pick a Joel Shepard book. Tell us about Crossover. Well, Crossover is the first book of the Cassandra Kresnov series. Um, it's, it, God, it was a while ago now. Mm -hmm. It's actually because I get published in Australia. Right. Uh, and it takes it a while to get out into, a, in, in, into mm -hmm. America. And then, of course, I took a break to do the, the fantasy series. Mm -hmm. And now I'm finally coming back to it. So it's, it's more than 10 years ago now. But it's the first book about Cassandra Kresnov. It's, um, about how she becomes disillusioned with the side, uh, that she's fighting for. Uh, and decides to try and make a, a peaceful life for herself in the home of her former enemies. Okay. Um, and she finds that is obviously a lot harder than what she bargained for. Excellent. Howard, how can they get this? Go to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse, and you can start a 30-day free trial membership. Pick up Crossover by Joel Shepard, narrated by Dinah Perlman for free. Excellent. 
Um, Howard, you actually do a lot of this social science fiction in your stories. I'm yeah. going to put you in the hot seat. Why do you do it? What sparks the stories for you? And what advice can you give to our listeners? Um, you know, I'm going to start. Joel, you said something interesting about you know you open up the newspaper and uh, you you immediately see you know the drama and in many cases the motivations right there. Mm. Um, I open up the news. I don't open up a newspaper. I Google yeah. the news. Let's be, uh -huh. let's be yeah. real about this. I look at the news and I look at what's happening. And I know that as I am looking at it, I do not have the whole story because on the surface, what I'm seeing doesn't make sense. Mm. Why would people do this? Yeah. I mean, I see, you know, Congressman so-and-so said this and such about so-and-so, and I know what the whole political party line is, but I don't understand why. Um, my next step is not to drill down and try to figure out why. My next step is to say, you know what, in my own work, I am allowed to have a character, be he, she, hero, villain, whatever, do a thing that seems on the surface, I mean, you know, sensible along one track, but maybe unmotivated on another because we don't understand the motivation. We don't mm. have the whole story. And I'm not saying that this would be a main character. This would be something that's happening in the background and, you know, a political shift, a, you know, a war or whatever. And, and what's fun for me is, I, and when I know I'm getting it right, is the arguments on the forums when people are saying, oh, you know, Howard is clearly modeling the UNS yeah. after mm -hmm. the old Ottoman Empire. And I'm like, Ottoman what? Yeah. <laughs> there was a what? Um, yeah, and whole thing what, of footstools. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's, uh, uh, I look at these arguments, and they look exactly like the comments that you might see to an opinion column in a newspaper website. And I know I've gotten it right because they are arguing about the hidden motivations that in many cases I don't yet know. Mm -hmm. Well, and this is, um, this is one of the things that I've really discovered with the writing of historical fiction is that there are patterns that mm -hmm. we go through over and over and over again. And if you look for those, you can kind of start to predict what the future, not you can't predict the future, but you can, you can predict some future patterns. Right, psychohistory, um, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one, one thing that you can look at is, uh, the, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, there's a, there's a swing that we tend to do um, from a fascination with uh, nature to a fascination with artifice. And it goes back and forth like that. And so you can, you can say, you know, it's a 20 to 60 year cycle, this swing. Mm -hmm. And so you can say, well, if I want, or it's, it's usually about a 20 year, but um, so it's like, if, if I'm looking at something that's 60 years in the future, then I can predict whether we're going to be in a nature fascination or a, an artifice fascination. And, and then recognizing that, know that that means you're going to have conflict between the two, the, the establishment and the new form. I'm actually live. So it's <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we just had someone sneak up on Howard at the front. We are live at Gen Con, so yes. yeah. Hey. Um, um, let's go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, uh, thoughts gone. Never mind. Go. Okay. Um, I want to ask um, if people want to investigate the actual science of all of these things. 
Um, do you have some resources, Joel, that you can point them toward? If they say they want to start getting interested in, um, in sociology and things like this, as writers, um, are there any favorite works or are there any favorite you know topics that you would send them to, or even a famous conflict that you think is really interesting in history? Well, there's one that I've come across in my PhD. Um, that I would recommend, especially to Americans, just for a basic interest in political theory. It's, uh, it's called The Essence of Decision. Mm -hmm. It's by a couple of guys called Allison and Zellico, and it's about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Okay. And they look at the Cuban Missile Crisis in a traditional international relations mm -hmm. way to start with. Um, the way um, international relations, they tend to view um, countries as singular entities. Uh -huh. okay. And then they look at it from a different angle. They, they say you can draw a whole range of conclusions about what happened in the, in the Cuban Missile Crisis by looking at it in the first way. But then you look at it in the second way, which is a, a, um, an institutional model. And you look at the way institutions work, right. and okay. that comes, comes you That's to great. completely different mm -hmm. conclusions about how that works. And then you've got the third model as well, which runs off the top of my head at the moment. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, again, completely different conclusions again. So depending on which way you look at it, um, mm -hmm. you can arrive and which uh, prism you get to look at it through, you can arrive at completely different conclusions. Excellent. Well, this has been a wonderful podcast. It's time for a writing prompt. Um, and I am going to suggest that what you should do is you should pick two people on the same side of a conflict of some sort, but make their view of that conflict different. Not two opposing people, two people on the same side, to force you to stretch a little bit further, to have more dynamic, more sides to your conflict, have two people struggling for the same thing with a completely different view of why they're struggling for it. All right, thank you so much, Joel. And this has been Right Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go right. Thank you very much. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.